Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's pray, hey? Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you that nothing is impossible for those who believe. Lord, we give you worship, we give you honor, and we give you thanks. Lord, we do ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, God, enlightening the eyes of our understanding to know you, Father, in ever-increasing ways, in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I was blessed to hear um, some testimonies this week of people who've been healed, and I, I, I love hearing of what the Lord is doing, because You know, we never should get tired or familiar with the power of God and what He does. We need to continually celebrate the goodness of God. Um, We had some pastors fly up from Sydney just for the afternoon on Sunday just to be in the service, which was lovely. And they told me a testimony um, of a young woman that I'd had the privilege to pray for when I was there uh, who had a really severe nut allergy, and um, she was instantly healed uh, through a word of knowledge and has been healed ever since. Hallelujah. That's glorious. If you've got a really serious nut allergy, thank you, Jesus, for delivering power. Nothing is impossible. You don't have to live with infirmity. You don't have to live with allergies. Hallelujah. That's good news. I I got another testimony this week of a deaf ear uh, that had opened up. And, you know, they were still telling everybody, look what the Lord's done. And I just, I get so much joy when I hear about the goodness of God. And we need to to keep a record of His faithfulness. I I get astonished at how even prophetically the Holy Spirit speaks and the way that He confirms things. And even in the worship tonight, uh, that word, Mandy, was uh, you gave a word that confirmed the vision that I was having. Uh, and then, John, I was having a vision of these wheels on a wall and thinking, what are these wheels, God? I don't understand what they were. And then you talked about a pram and people giving birth. And I look at it and I think, look at the way the, the Lord puts all the pieces together. It's so beautiful. And He's so faithful. I have a journal full of the faithfulness of God and the way that he speaks and the way that he encourages. I want to share with you a, um, a quote from Smith Wigglesworth that I read today that I really loved. He says here, Do not rest satisfied with any lesser experience than the baptism that the disciples received on the day of Pentecost. Then move on to a life of continuous receiving of more and more of the blessed Spirit of God. And you know, as I've been reading these revivalists, these healing revivalists of old that saw thousands and thousands of people come to Christ, saw amazing miracles. Smith Wigglesworth saw 14 people raised from the dead during his ministry and uh, countless people saved and healed and delivered. Uh, Stories of of things like um, I was reading today about a young boy was brought, he was really, really unwell, and the doctors thought it had something to do with his head, but as Smith went to pray for him, he felt the Holy Spirit tell him it was in his stomach, and so he, he, he went to pray for his stomach, and out of the boy's mouth came a 16-inch worm, 
And the guy was instantly healed. The little boy was instantly healed. That would make some sort of meeting, hey. I'm looking forward to that day. I want the tumors dropping splat on the... Ah, oh, it would be good. Oh, it would be good. All the tentacles, everything. Ah, oh, man, that would be awesome. And, uh, and tumors that would disappear. Reading John G. Lake and his sister had five operations on her breast for cancer, trying to keep it, removing the cancers and still wasn't healed. And they prayed and she was instantly healed. And, and then um, uh, the cancers actually pushed themselves out of the flesh. They, and, um, and then her mutilated breast started reforming. You think nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Jesus, what sort of miracles did he do when he was on the earth? Can you imagine being among them when he healed them all? I mean, that's all. That's the missing limbs. That's the, you know, whatever it might be, skin conditions, leprosy, gloriously, instantly healed in front of their eyes. These are the sort of things that God wants to fill our hearts and our thoughts with because this is what we were created to do. Hallelujah. We were created to do the same works as Jesus and greater works than these. Hallelujah. In His name, by His Spirit. Hallelujah. But as I look at all these people, Maria Woodworth Edda, John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, and um, Finney and Moody, I see this absolutely common thread that they maintained a desperate hunger for more. People get cranky with me sometimes online. Can you believe that? Um, and they say things like, sister, you don't need more. You got everything you need. And I'm like, yes, I know. I have everything pertaining to life and godliness. I understand that. I'm not talking about being a beggar trying to get something I haven't been given. But if I don't maintain a posture of desire and hunger for more, what I do is I close off my heart and I become rich and full and having need of nothing in my own head instead of recognizing that... I am called to drink continually of the living water, the fountain that flows from His throne, that the fountain He's put within me would, my deep would rise up to meet His deep and together it would be a living river that wasn't stagnant, but continually filling me up to overflowing. Hallelujah. Without continuous filling, you cannot continue to overflow. Overflow only happens as you maintain a posture of, oh, here's my cup, fill it up. And God wants us to have more and more of His Spirit. And the, the glorious thing in the kingdom is the more you taste, the more you want. The more you drink, the more thirsty you become. And I know those who drink of this will never thirst again. But let me tell you, the thirst I'm talking about is a, oh, I've attached and I don't want to let go. Is a place where we come before Him and we posture ourselves to say, I have tasted of the river of His pleasure for me and I am making a deliberate choice 
not to satiate my desire with anything else but what he wants to pour in. You see, it's in making room. It's in deliberately giving ourselves to seeking his face that we continually have the eyes of our understanding enlightened. This beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3, 19. Well, actually, we could read the whole lot. It's, it's so good. Why don't you turn there with me if you've got your Bibles? Hallelujah. Well, actually, we'll go to Ephesians 1. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And remember, he's praying this to those who already have it, for those who already have everything. He's praying for them, for you, for me, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I think about that and I think I never want to become intellectually, academically so familiar with this that I forget the importance of responding. This is an invitation waiting for my response. God, thank you, yes, I can look at that and think that's awesome, that's fabulous revelation, or I can go, okay, God, I want this, I'm gonna pray this. I want a continuous outpouring of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I was reading um, in the Passion Translation today, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 3. Oh, if you're not hungry, have a read of that. That'll really stir you up to, to seek God for wisdom, hallelujah. There's so much to be had. There's so much He wants to show us. Wisdom is inviting us to come and eat from a table. It's the spirit of wisdom inviting us. What are you going to do with the invitation? And the invitation is for us to drink and eat from the table that's set before us of the glorious riches of His inheritance, of the glory of revelation, knowledge of Him. I think about 1 Corinthians 13 that now we, we all see as in a, a mirror darkly, but um, we'll, we'll one day fully know as we are fully known. I mean, oh, that is so exciting to me. What it's going to be like not to be seeing Him in a vision or seeing Him in faith, but to fully know Him as we are fully known. Ah, the glory. 
But God invites us now. He says already we are seated with him in heavenly places and he invites us to ask and to seek. And when we seek, he promises we will find and he will enlighten the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of him, allowing us to partake of what we are privileged to have in heaven, which is the knowledge of him. And as you start to go down that track, and as you begin to feed on the revelation of His Spirit of wisdom and revelation opening your eyes to see Him, to find Him, to know Him, your heart then desires to make room for more. We sang it, that old chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace but there's such a truth to that that as you begin to turn your eyes upon him as you begin to seek him in faith the, the desire to fill your time with Netflix or Facebook or whatever it is that takes hours in your day becomes distasteful in comparison with the invitation to the knowledge of Him. He starts to become the divine obsession that... that opens and enlarges our capacity to completely, fully receive what He wants to fill us with. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's a fresh wind blowing and the scales are falling off the eyes of those that have, have lived in a place below what God has for them. He has so much more. Hallelujah. I, um, I've been singing a chorus today. Um, I think it's a Hillsong one. And there's a line there that says, where, where we see worship, he sees faith. And I love that line. Though I know when he sees worship, he also sees worship and he takes it as incense. Uh, theology and lyrics, I mean, I'm just so pedantic. I, but, but I love that line because worship is faith. And when we come to worship Him, we worship Him in spirit and truth. And it's faith that pleases God. When we come to worship, we don't worship just out of obedience. We worship out of a faith that says, I'm seated in heavenly places with Him and it's His will for me to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation enlightening the eyes of my understanding in the knowledge of Him. And as I worship right now, I'm not worshiping as a beggar, hoping that He'll receive my praise, but I'm worshiping as one who has the spirit of life living in, breathing inside of me, empowering me to see Him in fresh ways, that my spirit would be lifted up, that I would be filled up to overflowing with all His fullness, that He would be the glory and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. Where worship isn't, isn't a form where I'm thinking about Him and I'm just telling Him how good He is, 
But in fact, in faith, I am believing that it is absolutely the will of God right now for me to have an encounter where I am enlightened in a fresh way in the knowledge of Him, spiritually, by His power. It makes worship not something you get through hoping to get a good revelation. It makes it an invitation to corporately come and seek Him and find Him and know Him in fresh ways. Hallelujah. And it's altogether glorious. Psalm 46.4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. This river isn't a stagnant pond. It's a river and a river flows, continually flows. God is wanting us to begin to tap in in a fresh way, learning what it looks like to be connected to the tap, connected to the river, making room. And as I read about these revivalists, I see it continually. They made room. They made room for more. They kept making room in their hearts for more. Smith and Polly would, would pray on a Saturday night, God, give us at least 50 souls tomorrow in church. Yes, Makes my heart burn. God, yes. Why are we settling for less? What's available? Yes, God. Wake us up. Shake us up out of our slumber that we might recognize what your plan is for your ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your thoughts are so far higher than anything we could ask, hope or imagine. Help us, Lord, to start to open our eyes, to start feeding on your faithfulness that we might begin to drink, drink more deeply of the river that we might begin to dream and think like he does. You see, what you feed on is what you will dwell on and what you dwell on is what will come out of your mouth. What you focus on is what you'll head towards. And what you focus on ends up being what you worship. And the Holy Spirit's calling pulling, inviting, saying, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied until you give me your full attention. It's true because we can fill our lives with all sorts of things. But when we start to make room, push things aside and say, no, I'm gonna make room. I read about people like John G. Lake seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit or Smith Wigglesworth seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In those um, early days, in the beginning of the 20th century, they were, people would, would did, it, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues seemed like something that was like, <gasps> if I could only have that. Today, we know by faith we can just receive, hallelujah, but many of them would tarry for a year going to meetings and nobody would get the baptism, yet they'd still have meetings tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they believed it was possible. 
Yet today we can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in faith because it's been poured out and we recognise that, hey, we don't have to try and press through, but we can go to Him in faith and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit like we receive salvation by faith. Hallelujah. But the danger is because He's healing and moving and we speak in tongues and, and the glory is being revealed and signs and wonders are happening on an unprecedented level, we can actually get familiar with it and lose the hunger. God doesn't want us to have meetings like they had 100 years ago. He wants to take us from glory to glory and there's so much more, yet we actually are spoiled with so much. We've been, knowledge has increased. Revelation, since the, the day of the book of Acts, as you do a timeline, as you look through it, you watch and see how much was lost until the point that they got to the dark ages where they didn't even have the word of God um, available to people. And it was not written in the common languages and the, the most people knew about the word was from the stained glass windows in the, in the churches. But then as the word got translated back into um, got translated into common languages and people started to get a hold of the word and people began to recognize, oh, this is, we need to get saved. We need to, we, we, can, we can actually be saved by faith. Hallelujah. We, we don't have to earn our salvation. As the, as the um, revelations began to be restored, baptism, healing, baptism in the Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry gifts. As you look at it, there's been an incredible acceleration in the restoration of what was lost. But God's heart was never just to restore us back to the place of the book of Acts. That was supposed to be the beginning. And God wants us to go from glory to glory. I, I contend with you now that, that God has brought us back to a place where we have to be careful that we don't settle for what we've known, but we start to dream about what we haven't yet seen. We can celebrate those that have died and gone on and we almost make them legends as if they'd never had any issues or problems. But I tell you, as much as God wants to encourage you through the faith of great men and women of the past, God has a plan for you that far exceeds what they saw. If God could take a plumber and turn the world upside down, he wasn't liked in his day very well. <laughs> but if God can do that, what can he do with you? He just waits for somebody who'll say, I want more, I want more. Ephesians, um, Ephesians 3 is one of my favorite apostolic prayers and I, I pray it so regularly. I pray it for myself, my family, for you as the church. I pray 
that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you with might in your inner being, that you may truly come to know together with all the saints what is the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you may be filled up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. That idea of being filled to overflowing, if you, if you put, if you put a, put water into a cup and you pour it in and it overflows and it continues overflowing, what's in the cup? What's in the cup is only what's being poured in. It's only water. But if you are giving yourself to receive from God, there's nothing in your brain to be dwelling on other than God. If you're feeding on Him and you're, you're giving yourself to, to continually lift your eyes to Him, to feed on what is pure and lovely and of a good report, you won't have to do half the battles that you do because you're not gonna have to be, you're not gonna be trying to get something out because it's continually being displaced by what you're feeding on. What would it look like if as you lay down on your pillow and as you get up in the morning, your first thought is, what could happen? I'm not suggesting that we don't have our daily lives and our work and our children. It's a good thing to work, hallelujah. It's a good thing to go about our daily lives, but God didn't ask us to have a secular and a sacred life, but a life that is filled with Him continually, that continually is choosing to yield to His Spirit, to be led by His hand, hallelujah, to be guided by His eye, and to live a life free from sin, free from guilt, free from clutter, that we would simplify things in our brains to feed on what is going to create a hunger that will cause us to drink deeply from this river. As we do that, God does more. The more, to him who has, more will be given. It gets exponential. What could happen? If you would start to say, Lord, I wanna turn my affection, my eyes upon you. In faith, God, I want a life where I'm not imbibing that which doesn't edify, but I'm continually choosing only what is gonna edify, build me up. What sort of fragrance will come off your life? This is a life where the, the sick are healed as you walk past. This is a life where everyone who comes in contact with you feels refreshed and encouraged because they get the overflow of what is being poured into your life. God doesn't tease us. He doesn't say, seek my face and then run away and hide and say, ha, 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 you can't get that till you die. What are you thinking? <laughs> Haven't you read the scripture, you can't see God and live? Yeah, that's the point. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. You've been seated in heavenly places. Now you've been given the mind of Christ. Do you think he sees the Father? 
what's available. You see, when we understand by faith that it's absolutely His will to reveal Himself to you, you'll begin to drink to a place where He manifests through you. Hallelujah. His desire is that the eyes of our heart would be continually enlightened in the knowledge of Him so that we would remember, that we would recognize the hope of His calling. I haven't been called to survive. I haven't been called to get by. I haven't been called to ride a train to get to heaven. Thank God I got my ticket. You and I have been called to overflow with the fullness of God. The universe itself can't contain him. And yet he says, I will fill you, you, the temple of the Holy Ghost. I will fill you with all my fullness if you will just open the gates of your heart. Lift up your heads, O ye gates that the King of glory may come in. Who are the gates? You are. Lift up your head. Instead of focusing on this, that and the other, people, things, television, whatever it might be, lift up your head, you gates, because the will of God for you is that the King of glory himself will come in. What will it look like to have a life filled with himself? You know, I, I believe, as all these ones did, I read from Moody the other day, and people said to Moody, have you experienced a second blessing, brother? And he said, second? He says, why would you stop at two? And they prayed, and they were all filled again, it says in the book of Acts, and the place was shaken. Hang on, again? And they got everything they need? Why are they being filled again? Didn't they get everything? They're being filled again because God was sensing a cry that said, we want more, we want more. They were making room. They said, consider their threats, God. Stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Instead of gathering together to lick their wounds, and talk about how unfair it is, and shouldn't this be better? They got together and they went, right, more. Do more, God. They're persecuting us for healing the sick now. Stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles. And you know the response of heaven was to come again in that room, and the place literally was shaken like an earthquake. I want that, hallelujah. And I want the fire, and I want all the signs and the wonders, and I want the ones I haven't dreamt about. Why? Because there is more. I love what Mark said tonight, the wells we can't see, 
the angels in the room. You see, when you develop a hunger for Him, to the pure, all things are pure. You don't start getting off track because He is all you want. And as you seek Him, all the things get added. There is so much more. Seek and you will find. He's just waiting. Sometimes I read this stuff and I think, oh, I've got to fast, I've got to pray, I've got to do this. And yes, that's a good thing to do, to make room. But then I realize, you know what? I'd be better off giving up that Netflix series and actually spending an hour seeking his face. I'm better at, and I'm terrible faster. I don't like fasting, but I'm better at missing food than I am sometimes denying myself other stuff. God's not asking you to make a sacrifice to get something. He's simply asking you to make room. For me, when I fast, it's not about missing food. It's about being so obsessed with giving him a day or days that I don't break for a meal because I'm having a retreat with him. That's what a fast should look like. Not, not denying myself so that I get something, but actually making room, putting away the distractions so that I can have more. I feel a challenge from the Holy Ghost for some of us to start to make room to put aside the things that are filling our hearts and our thoughts and our minds and actually make room because I sense such an invitation from the Holy Spirit right now. Just as Meg prophesied about beauty out of ashes and Australia rising out of the ashes, let me tell you, we are in a, a Kairos moment. There is an opportunity being presented to us as a nation if we will say, yes, Lord, we're gonna make room. Yes, Lord, open our eyes to see what you're doing. Yes, Lord, we're gonna turn our eyes upon you. We're gonna fix our thoughts and our minds on you. I believe that God wants to do something that is unprecedented in history. They're not swelling words, it's the Holy Spirit. God is... God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly above what you've read about, what you've known. Oh, if only we could see it like Wigglesworth saw it. No, God wants so much more. That'd be a great start, 14 raised from the dead and the amazing miracles. But you know what? That was 100 years ago. God has even more. And it's his desire to do it that the world might see him, that the, the knowledge of him would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory of his name, who he is, would be manifested and revealed. Will you open up your hearts and say, here's my cup, Lord, fill it up. He's got so much more, hallelujah. Father, we love you. We're gonna pray for some people in just a minute, but before we do that, 
I want to ask you tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart you aren't walking with the Lord, there is eternity. Heaven, hell, it's real. But Jesus desired that no one should perish, that everyone would receive Jesus. And so with everything that he can, he's been trying to get your attention that you would turn to him and say, I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need eternal life. I need you to make me new. When you acknowledge your sin and say, Lord, I can't make myself righteous enough to be accepted into you, into heaven, and instead humble ourselves and say, but I believe that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for me, died and rose again and now offers me mercy, forgiveness, a clean heart. When we put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God who died for our sin and rose again and now offers us eternal life, forgiveness, mercy and a new heart, offers us to be filled instead with His Spirit, making our crooked places straight, giving us a new heart that we would be born again. When we do that, everything changes. Christ comes in, His Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. We become new creations. He says He'll never leave us or forsake us. But it requires a response from you that says, yes, Lord, I wanna receive you. I want you to be my Lord and my Saviour. If that's you today, and you know in your heart you aren't right with God, but you wanna get your life right with Him, I want you just to wave your hand at me. I wanna see you. Is there anybody here that says, yes, that's me? I wanna respond to the mercy of Jesus today. Let me see you. Is there anyone here today that says, yes, Lord, I want, I want more. I want Jesus. Let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah. Well, we're gonna pray for some people right now, but... After we do this, I wanna open the altar and I wanna make some room for you just to say, yes, Lord, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I want more. I want your help, Lord, to move things out of my, um, out of my life that I might have a clarity of vision. Now, whatever it might be, God's not looking for your sacrifice. He's looking for your response and your attention. God's calling for your attention because He has something really important to say to you. He's got something wonderful to give you. And all it requires is for you to begin to give Him your attention in faith, believing that if you ask Him for a fish, He's not gonna give you a stone. If you ask him for his spirit, he's not gonna give you punishment or condemnation. He's gonna give you mercy. He's gonna give you his spirit. I believe people are gonna get baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire here tonight. Others are gonna have visions. Others are gonna be caught up just to worship him, to bless him, to seek him, to know him, and to have a fire ignited in their hearts. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. 
you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.